couple of quick things before we jump into our sermon. Um, if you have your family news bulletin, check out the, make sure you take that flyer home with you about the harvest party on October the 12th. Um, that was great last year. If you were here last year, boy, that parking lot was just packed with people. And this year, it really is going to be twice as good. Um, Kim has the, the zoo coming and bouncy things and uh, well, radio stations coming out to you know do the broadcast from here. It's going to be all, I mean, it's amazing. And, and so I want to encourage you to make sure you invite people from your neighborhoods to come and be a part of this because it is going to be outstanding, okay? October the 12th. Make sure you put that on your calendar. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch base on before we uh, get started here is if you look right back here, this is our swap wall. And swap, for some of you who don't know what that means, you look back there every Sunday and go, what, what, is it, what is that back there? You can kind of check it out. But swap means sacrificing with a purpose. It's something unique to Grace Chapel. Well, now other people are doing it because we've been doing it for years. and We've given the idea away. But it, it's, it means sacrificing with a purpose. It means giving up something you want to make sure someone else has something they need. And here is someone who has a need. Let me throw one specific need out this morning. Adrian Center, who is a part of our church for years, um, graduated high school, 18 years old, and went to live in Haiti for a year. And when she got there, she was there about a couple of weeks, and, and someone came over and just dropped off a little boy whose both parents had died. His, you know, his parents were gone. First, his, I think his dad had died, then his mom died, and he's, he's an orphan. I mean, literally no one to take care of him. And so can you imagine, you know, a, a little tiny child that, you know, two, three, four years old uh, with no one to watch out for him. And so someone came along and said, now this is your child. You have to take care of it. She's 18 years old. She's in Haiti for a couple of weeks or a month or so. And this little boy now calls her mama. He gets her up in the morning. She, t- she said that he, he opens, up her, opens up her eye like this and goes, mama, mama. <laughs> That's how she's woken up. So uh, she, you know, she was just saying that she has some needs. She didn't expect to have this child. And I want you to pray for her as well, because, you know, when she has to come back, uh, just do the math uh, on that situation. What, what's going to happen here? We've got to come up with something, make sure the little boy's taken care of. But that must be heart-wrenching for her. She sent a list of needs we put on the swap wall. Uh, I really want the high schoolers and junior hires. I know it's Mason's uh, homecoming, so and a lot of students, a lot of people missing this morning. But if you're here and you're a high school or junior high student, spread the word, because I really want this to be your, this, you need to take this one on. Um, the adults need to do it as well. Let's do it together as a church. We need to make sure she has everything she needs. But, um, but I really think the students should take this one on. This is one of your own, okay? You knew her just last year. She was part of the, the youth ministry here. So um, back there, and here's how we do swap. You, you sacrifice something. So you were thinking about going out to lunch today. You say, you know what? I'm not going to go out to lunch today. I'm going to sacrifice what I want to make sure someone else has something they need. And right now that little boy and Adrian need your help. So there's some, some information back there on the swap wall. Um, and just, you know, think of something that you can sacrifice so she has. And we're going to take, if you can give money, that's the best. Um, after we receive as much money as we can, we give it to her. She'll buy as much as she can there of the items she needs. And then we'll try to maybe put a care package together of items and see if we can send it over there or have someone take it uh, when they go on a trip there because back-to-back is involved there as well. So we can maybe get someone who's going to Haiti to bring some of our stuff with them. All right? But I don't want to forget that. She's one of our own. We take care of our own first and foremost here at Grace Chapel. Last, 
We're almost finished. If you drive down here, I don't know how many people noticed the wires that were missing uh, this morning. Anybody notice that? If you, you will, if you drive down, the wires used to hang across and just, it drives me crazy. Maybe it don't bother you, but it drives me nuts. So they're gone. We cut them down and we checked for the phone to make sure it was working. We cut them down. And just, actually, we did. Because um, they said it wasn't connected to anything, but in these old buildings, everything's always connected. It's like, click, is it working? Yeah, it's working. Good. Okay, I'll connect, the, I'll cut the next one. So we cut the wires down. Um, they're not electric wires. We made sure. Uh, but we got, the, we got rid of those. But if you drive past here on the left-hand side where, the, where it's going to be the entrance of the Grace Impact Center, it is, it is being transformed. Mike Bankin, if it doesn't rain this week, is going to come and do some seating and landscaping over there. It's just going to look incredible, incredible. I have used up our buffer, used up, uh, sold our dog, our family dog, um, done everything we possibly, I'm just kidding, didn't sell the family dog. I want to, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Come here, Sparky. You know, not Sparky. Uh, <laughs> you'll fetch a good price. Um, but we're coming down to the end here, and we, 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 keep, we need you to give. That's all I'm saying, okay? We need you to give because this week, actually, I was really worried this past week because this week last year was the worst giving Sunday of the history of our church, okay? We cannot let this happen. It will bother me, all right? So you can't let it happen. Dig in your pockets, whatever. But we need to finish off that building. The electrician's coming in to hook up the, the airflow system. The nets, the floor, the, the turf floor and the nets will be here in mid-October. So it's coming to the end, um, and so is, so is cash flow. So uh, let's keep that coming, all right? Let's keep that coming. I, so you're, you're, the, you're the body of Christ here. If you're here for the first time, ignore everything I just said about giving and all that kind of thing. But if you've been here more than twice, dig deep, brothers. Come on now. All right. <laughs> all right. We are continuing our series, which I'm finding just having a, I'm having a joyful time doing it. Jesus, help me understand. Jesus, help me understand. This morning, we're going to finish up our discussion on, on what it is to have a vibrant prayer life. You know, what does it mean to have a vibrant prayer life? Last week, we were walking through uh, the Lord's Prayer. And we said that if you want to have a vibrant prayer life, you need to do a couple of things. And first, that you need to have the right attitude. You need to have the right attitude. You know, come in with the right heart. Speak to God with the right heart. Be real. Be authentic. And then we said you need to be specific. You need to be specific. You know, get specific with the Lord. Don't just, you know, haphazard out here. Be specific. We also said that if you want to have a vibrant prayer life, you need to praise God adoration, thanksgiving. We wrote down a whole bunch of things we we're thankful for on this whiteboard last week. And if you get a chance, go back and read some of those things. It's great. God really was moving last week and, and he's moving this morning as well in the first service. So, so it's, really, it's, really, it's really a neat opportunity for us to, to thank him and praise him. If we want to have a vibrant prayer life, that needs to be a part of it. Thanks and praise, adoration to God. And then we also said that we need to ask God for his will to be done in our lives. God, your will be done in my life that's a difficult one to pray because you ask for something and you just kind of want it and when you don't get it you say well god didn't answer my prayer yeah he answered it he just said no or he said wait we don't like i don't like wait or no i'm getting better but you know but you know god says a lot of the times he'll say wait or he'll just say no i'm not going to do that i can't wait to get to heaven and all the times i was frustrated about why didn't god do something he shows me what would have happened if he would have done it you know what I mean? All the things that would have happened in my life and other people's lives. So he says, you know, we have to pray that God's will be done in our lives. That will allow us to have a vibrant 
prayer life. So as we continue following here, focusing on the Lord's prayer, Jesus tells us that we need to pray. We need to pray for God to provide for our needs. Okay, it's okay to pray that, that God would provide for our needs. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread, he says. I mean, if, that, if, if, that, if I wrote a book on the first 11 years of Grace Chapel, that would be the title. Give us this day our daily bread. And everything we seem to need, God seems to provide. You notice the, uh, the structures going out, up around here, outside here? It's going to save us. It's going to look really good, and it's going to save us a ton of money this winter with that heat not going behind those curtainy things. Um, but someone in the church just came up and said, hey, I've got some time and I've got some talent. And I said, if you've got the money, brother, you go do it. And he actually is paying for it and doing it himself. One person by himself this week did all that work out there. I came over and waved to him and gave him a drink once in a while. But, uh, you know, he did all the work by himself. Give us this day our daily bread. It seems whatever we need, God provides for us. And he does, doesn't he? God continues to provide for us what we need. So Jesus says, you know, we got to listen to this. Give us our day, our, give us this day our daily bread. Now, you need to hear me on this one. You, you, God wants you to pray not only for the big things, but for all things. Okay? He wants you to pray for everything. There are so many times in, in, in my life that I've heard Christians say, you know, I didn't want to come last week. I don't want to come forward because my prayer, you know, it wasn't as significant. I saw the people up here. They seemed to be crying and it was they seemed to have bigger things. And so I don't want to come up and just say, hey, that God wants to hear from you about all your things, not just the big ones. There's nothing too big that God's power can't overcome. And there's nothing too small that he doesn't care about. He cares about all of our, he cares about everything that we're doing. Does your hamster have a cramp in its leg? Talk to him about it, okay? That's the most mundane thing I can come up with, you know. Oh, my hamster seems to be limping, you know what I mean? God wants to hear about it. If it's bothering you, talk to him about it. Talk to him about your hamster. Talk to him about whatever it is in your life that, that you need to share, not just the big things. He's the God of all things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And my God will meet, listen, all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In, chapter, in, in Romans chapter 8, and verse 32, it reminds us, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Listen, giving us Jesus Christ, giving us Christ to, on the cross, Jesus Christ dying on the cross, the Father giving up Jesus Christ, his Son, to die on the cross for our sins was the most difficult thing that God the Father has ever done. And so when you come before him and ask for some specific needs, he's not going it, to, it, it's, it's a piece of cake. This is not going to rattle God. He's given you everything. He's given you his Son so that you can be, you can come into the Holy of Holies, that you can come into God's presence. And he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk to him. Asking the, for personal things in your life is no sweat off God's back here. He wants to, you to communicate with him. In James chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you, don't, you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So much of the time... We wish for things and we hope for things. I hope it comes about. I wish for this. But you know, there's a difference between wishing and hoping for something and literally asking for it. It's okay to ask. God says, ask for it. 
because because prayer is our way of connecting with God. Because you might be thinking right now, all right, you know, you know, why why do I have to talk to God about it? Because last week you said that God, you know, He knows what we're going to say before we say it, and so why should I then come before God and and, and ask Him for something He knows what I'm going to say already? He can just read my mind and we're all set. Well. <laughs> Christianity, my friends, is not a religion. It's a relationship. God wants to God wants to us to in a relationship. You speak to the other person. This is our opportunity. Why should we pray to God? Because it's our opportunity to connect with God. God wants to connect with us. He wants to connect with us. He has a relationship with us. He wants to hear from you. Sure, he can read your mind, but that's I mean, if I, you know, even if we could read each other's minds, it's like, oh, well, in a sense, like it's like you can text. OK, texting's fine. I text, you know, everything. But we're getting to the point where we're not really interacting with each other. You can't have an intimate relationship. You can't have a deep, intimate discussion with someone by texting them. Can't happen. You have a deep, intimate relationship with someone when you look across, look them right in the eye and hold their hands, when you cry with them. What do you put boo-hoo on your text? Boo-hoo, you know, crying for you. Maybe make a little thing for that, crying for you. You know what I'm saying? Now I made that one up, so just, you know what I'm saying? And the person's like, oh, they're crying for me. No, I mean, you have an intimate relationship when you actually are crying with someone, when you're connecting with them. God wants you to connect. And the other reason you want to pray to him is because you want to acknowledge your dependence on him. You want to be dependent on God. When you walk in total dependence on God, you experience freedom and confidence in your life. People say, oh, you know, you, you, God's a crutch, blah, blah, blah. God's no crutch. I love people tell me God's a crutch who need to anesthetize themselves every single week. Okay? Drug abuse is at an all-time high. Drinking, my gosh, holy mackerel. I look at a culture that has to anesthetize, that has to get drunk or high or tipsy or whatever what you want to call it, whatever it is. The, the whole culture needs to numb their brains, and you're saying that my God is a crutch? Spare me. Okay? Spare me. I, when I have a problem, a huge problem, I don't grab a bottle. I go to the Lord in prayer. And I have confidence in God. I have freedom. I have total freedom to live my life because I have confidence in my God. I can live a confident life. So don't let anybody tell you, oh, you, you poor Christian, you need God as a crutch. Let me sit down. I can't go to sleep without it. I can't go to work without it. I can't get through Friday, Saturday, Sunday without it. Right? And my God's a crutch? Spare me. Okay? Don't let people intimidate you by calling saying God's a crutch. I, God, when we, we have a total dependence on God, we have a freedom to live our lives with boldness. And when we are struggling, we go before the Lord with confidence. And I don't need to anesthetize. All I need to do is pray. All I need is come before my God and pray. The next thing that Jesus teaches us is that we should forgive our debts as, as also we should forgive our debtors. Okay, so forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Matthew chapter six and verse 12. When we pray, we need to ask God to forgive us. When we pray, we need to come before the God and say, God, for, forgive me. And I want to point out four thoughts about forgiveness, okay? Four specific thoughts that I have about forgiveness. First, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal sin in your life. 
when you come to, when you, you know, when you want to ask for forgiveness, you need to ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, reveal sin in my life. When you become, when you come before the Lord with an open heart and a sincere heart, when you come before the Lord in that way, the Holy Spirit will reveal sin in your life. And you say, well, I don't want that. I don't want that to happen. Sure you do. You really do. Every single one of us in this room needs to grow. Every single, someone's sitting here going, yeah, that's the anesthetizing thing. That was pretty funny. But you know what? I do it all the time. Right? You need a Holy Spirit to start convicting you and saying, you know, let's, you don't need that. I can take care of that for you. And the Holy Spirit convicts you. And you start, you, you put that bottle down. You put that, put that whatever it is that you need down. And you start letting the Holy Spirit work in your life. We all need that. Whatever it is for you, whatever it is, let the Holy Spirit start revealing whatever it is in your life that he needs to change. And then we can grow and become stronger. So we need that in our lives. We need to have an open and honest heart. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, my heart, my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let God start opening up your heart and kind of doing some renovations, you know. I love that. When people come to Christ in our church, these big tough guys come to Christ sometimes. They're like, you know, I'm crying. I haven't cried in 30 years. One guy told me, I haven't cried in 30 years. I'm crying every day. Why did I accept Jesus? I never cried. I said, the Holy Spirit's in there. He's doing renovations, man. It's hard. He's pitching things out your ears and everywhere else. He's getting rid of stuff. It's stuff you haven't thought about in 30 years. You're too busy anesthetizing and hanging out and trying to deny things. Okay, the Holy Spirit's not going to let that happen. He's going to start working in your life. So you start, that's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Let God search your heart. Let God move in your heart. Let God start changing your heart. Second, when we confess, when we confess, we need to be specific. None of this, no more of this, uh, God forgive me for all of my sins. Good night. (laughs) Okay? That's weak, man. That is weak. Jesus Christ came to earth and literally died on a cross for your specific sins. So when we confess before him, when we ask for forgiveness, we need to be specific. Lord, forgive me for this. Forgive me for doing this. Forgive me for looking at that. Forgive me for my attitude here. And then once you get all your specifics out that you can remember, since we're such sinners, we forget most of the things we do, okay, especially if it's been a couple of weeks since we confessed anything, then we throw that 30-foot net over everything and say, Lord, and forgive me for all the sins that I've committed that I've forgotten about. Because you've sinned in ways that you don't even realize you've sinned, so you want to get that. You want to you ask the Lord to forgive you for all those things, but you need to be specific first. Proverbs 28:13 says this, he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We need to confess them and we need to try to give them up as best we can. Give those things up, put those things to death, confess them and let them go. The third part of forgiveness is that we need to make amends with the person that that has wronged us or that we have wronged. We need to make amends. That's a tough one, I know. I know, but you know, listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So we need to reconcile with one another. 
you have an issue, you're struggling in some area of your life, before if, you know, before you move on, you need to think about me in the next couple of weeks. You need to think about that person and somehow sit down with them. You don't have to have a confrontation. You need to say to that person, you know, here's how I'm feeling, and, and this is the reason I'm feeling this way. Can we talk about it? Don't attack them. Just share what's on your heart. Let that person share and reconcile together. Last thought on this, on this area of, of forgiveness. We need to accept God's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We need, you need, some of you need to, to, uh, to just receive that forgiveness. You know, you ask for it, but you don't receive it. God's forgiven you, but you're not receiving it. You need to realize what the Bible says. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Which means when you confess a sin specifically and you're sincere about it, he does throw that 30,000 foot net over everything else and forgive you for all of your sin. God wants to do that for you. And he has done it. You're just sometimes not receiving it and you're emotionally carrying things around that you don't need to carry. See, that means what that verse means. I don't walk around with guilt and shame. People in the world say the same thing. Oh, you Christians, you walk around, oh, make you feel guilty and shameful. You know what? I don't have any guilt. As I stand here this morning, there's no guilt and shame or condemnation in my life. None. Why? I have a Savior who died on the cross for my sins. I recognize I'm a sinner. I openly admit I'm a sinner, but I don't feel guilt and shame about it because I confess my sin and I am set free. My slate is wiped clean each and every time I go before the Lord. Every single time. I don't have guilt and shame in my life. You have guilt and shame in your life when you don't have Christ and you do all these things and there's nowhere to dump it. It's like it's like never it's like going five years and never taking your trash out. Okay, I take my trash out every week. My house does not smell. Okay, no, you just picture this now trash in your house for five years. You talk about hoarders, okay? Hoard some trash for five years and see what happens to you. I don't smell, my friends. Maybe I do sometimes. But I don't smell, okay? My trash is gone. I'm set free. My slate is wiped clean. Don't talk to me about Christianity with the guilt and shame and condemnation. That is not a part of my life. Jesus Christ took all those things away from me. I am free. We need to accept that freedom that God has given to us. Jesus continues by telling us we need to pray for others. We need to pray for other people. In the second part of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, we read this. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. An important part of our prayer life is remembering that God is working in the lives of the people that you're praying for, even when you don't see the change. Hear that? God is working in the life of the person you're praying for, even when you're not seeing the change. Because here's what happens. We're praying for someone in our family. We're praying for a friend. We're praying for someone who's harmed us because they're harming other people. We want them to change. And when we don't see the change, then we give up. I'm saying don't give up is what I'm saying. Because even though you don't see the change, it doesn't mean the person is not changing. Even though you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not happening in their lives. God is moving even when you don't see it. You know something I've noticed in my life? And you guys are recognize this because we're all sinners and we all kind of fall in this category sometimes. 
You're doing something and someone points it out and someone's praying for you. You may not know you're, they're praying for you, but they're pointing it out. Someone's saying, you know, you, this behavior, this, and you're like, oh, defensive, and oh, you're an idiot, and blah, 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 God may be this way. But in your, in your heart, in your mind, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you and starts working on the inside. And the people looking on the outside are still saying the same old Jeff Greer. But on the inside, the Holy Spirit's working. Over a period of time, all of a sudden, the Spirit goes, enough's enough, you need, and, he con- and really confronts you, and you change. And people go, man, he changed overnight. Did you see that? Praise the Lord. He changed him overnight. No, we didn't change him overnight. He, you've been praying for months, maybe years for that person. And internally, God was moving and speaking to them and doing things in their life. And, but they were hanging on to it because they didn't want to, they felt pride or whatever. They didn't want to come right out and admit. And so it takes a little while. And finally, they lower their heads before the Lord and admit that there's some sin in their lives they need to change. And there's some personality issues they need to work on. And you say, praise the Lord. The Lord changed them overnight. He did not. He did not. Sometimes he changes people overnight. Most of the time, he's been working on them. You just can't see it. And then all of a sudden, they, it's like a cocoon. It's like a little caterpillar. Look, the butterfly changed overnight. No, it didn't. It was in that cocoon. Changing, 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 being transformed. And all of a sudden, emerges. And we go, wow, look how amazing God is. But you were praying for them for how long, my friends? You've been praying them for such a long time and God has done a miracle in their lives over time. Here's what we need to do. Instead of saying, I give up on that person, you thank God in advance for what he's going to do in that person's life. By faith, thank God in advance. I say, I say this all the time. Lord, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this situation because I know you're going to do something amazing. And I thank you in advance by faith that you're going to do something absolutely incredible. I know it's hard to forgive people. I know it's hard to forgive people and pray for people who have harmed you. But listen to me. One of the greatest joys in life is to see a life redeemed. You ever seen someone who's truly been redeemed and restored and transformed? There's nothing better. I mean, someone say amen to that. Right? Right? To see a life transformed, to see someone truly redeemed is one of the greatest joys in life. So is there someone who's harmed you? someone who's wronged you, someone you feel is beyond hope, Jesus says to pray for them and he says to forgive them. He says pray for that person. Jesus never gives us permission to stop praying for individuals. Never gives us permission to stop praying for someone. We need to pray until God has changed me, changed the situation or changed the other person. we, We cannot stop praying until God changes my heart, until he changes my situation, or he changes another person's heart. But we need to keep praying. We need to make a list. I thought about this week. We need to make a list of people that we need to pray for. Maybe it's someone at school. Maybe it's someone in your neighborhood that you need to invite to church. My goodness, I think Grace Chapel is a pretty great church. I think you should be inviting more people to hear this. This is the, I mean, this is good news. People need to hear about it. People, you want to see, you want to, you want your life, you want your spiritual life to be transformed? Invite people to church and watch God work in their lives. People come to church, never come to church before. You know what they say? That was, this, they, and hear me out, so hear the language here. That was like, this is what they'll tell me. That was like a really great concert and a really great seminar all wrapped up into one. Now you understand what they're saying? They got a lot of the music. There was really talented people up there. They don't know how to use the right words, but they like the music and they'll say, and they'll say, it was like a seminar. I walked out understanding I could really apply that to my life. That's what people are thinking when they come here. They're not thinking that was stupid and why'd you bring me here? And that's not what they're thinking. And if you want to see transformation in your own life, 
bring someone around and watch the transformation in their life. That, my friends, is amazing, amazing, amazing to watch. Uh, you know, maybe it's someone that you've lost contact with that you need to pray for. Maybe it's someone, maybe you've had a falling out with someone in the church or falling out with someone in your family or whatever the case may be. Maybe that's the person you need to be praying for. You need to be praying for, you need to be forgiving, you need to letting, letting go of these things. We need to believe that through prayer, God can change anyone or anything at any time. We need to believe that. Part of our problem is faith. We don't have the faith to believe. We need to pray with boldness for people at work, for people at school, for our friends, for our neighbors. We need to pray with boldness. We need to, we need to pray for transformation in our church, in our community, in our city, in our nation, and around the world. We need to tra- pray for transformation. I'm praying right now that God would raise up a leader in our country who would be selfless. That's my prayer. God, raise up um, Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or some of these other great men in the past. Raise up a selfless leader. I'm not picking on Democrats or Republicans. Matter of fact, I'm just picking on them all. Okay, I'm saying out of whatever party, raise up a leader, Lord God, that is selfless that we can follow. I'm not giving up on the United States of America. I'm certainly not giving up on the town of Mason. I'm not giving up on our nation. I'm not giving up on our world. Our God, this belongs to him and he wants to redeem it. And where does that power come from? For some reason, it comes through the prayers of us little people, that God responds to the prayers of his people. There's a church in Newark, New Jersey, that Newark, New Jersey is one of the murder capitals of the of the country. And this little church started praying and they prayed for all the streets in Newark. They prayed for and when they got to the point where they praying for for that this many streets and everything, the crime rate dropped by like 40 percent. The murder rate went down. They started people like the the guy who started. Um, uh, I think don't get don't quote me. I think either um, not Google, uh, Facebook. One of those guys gave like hundreds of millions of dollars to the education system there in Newark to bring that because he was seeing the change that were going on. And all of a sudden, the snowball started rolling the other direction. People started giving money to education and things are changing in Newark. Why? Because his church got together and they prayed for Newark. They didn't give up. We need to have boldness then when we pray. We need to pray for transformation and we need to expect. Here's a problem with us. We don't expect it. We need to expect that God's going to do miracles in in this church and in this country through the believers, through their through prayer. We need to believe and expect that God is going to do that. Someone came up here last week at 1045 and they sat in a chair and they said, I have no place to live. I'm not going to have a home. I need a home. Please, Lord, give me a home at 1045 at one at one o'clock. Someone else called them who wasn't coming to church here and said, I'll sell you my trailer, my house trailer here for four hundred dollars. I want you to have it for four hundred dollars. No mortgage after that. It belongs to you. And she called up and said, all I need is a stove and a refrigerator. and I have a home. Sometimes God says no or wait. And sometimes says, OK, right now. Answer your phone. Because <laughs> there's your answer. She was so excited. She has. She says, I'm a homer. I have a place to live. I have a home. We prayed and now I have a place to go after church. See, that's what God can do. And the reason sometimes it doesn't happen. I'm not saying naming, claiming. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we need to expect God to do miracles and God will do miracles. 
Now, the next thing Jesus says that we need to pray for protection, spiritual protection. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, Jesus says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, my friends, we are walking into battle every single day, period. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going into battle. And Satan wants to defeat you through temptation, through fear, or through intimidation, many other things. But fear, temptation, and intimidation is the way he's getting his way in our lives, in our culture. Getting his way with even believers in Jesus Christ. If we don't go to God and ask for protection, we are walking into battle vulnerable. If we don't ask God for protection, we are going into battle without the armor of God. We're going in basically naked with no weapons at all. We're going into battle with nothing. We are so vulnerable. We need to ask God to make us aware of the evil in our world. Lord, make us aware of the battle that we're fighting. Make us aware of the evil that is in our world. If we're unaware of it, we're going to get caught up in it. You younger ones have absolutely no idea how much you're brainwashed. You're being completely brainwashed. And you think, you think you're just like, you're going along, you're fighting the man, you're fighting against this. What you're doing is just being floating right along with culture. Whatever culture says, that's what we go along with. Before you even know it, your life is going to be ruined. Your life is going to be destroyed. The problem that many of us face today is that we're being intimidated into ignoring evil or basically, basically embracing it. As the culture changed, so we change with it. 20 years ago, the church would not be debating some of the things we debate now. It's absurd. It's outrageous. But the culture changes. We change right along with it. If they say this kind of behavior or this kind of, this kind of action or whatever else is good, we follow right along. If they say that the people who stand up against this behavior or this situation or whatever else is evil, we follow right along. We go right along with it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the only thing I care about, the only voice I'm listening to, is the one that comes from the Word of God. I could care less what culture says about anything. I'm not changing. Matter of fact, my feet are stuck in the concrete. They're not moving. I refuse to get swept along with culture. I don't care what they say is good or evil, what they say is right and wrong. All I care about was what God says is good and evil, right and wrong. We live in a time where Christians are being persecuted by other Christians for standing up for the word of God, for standing up and saying this behavior, according to the word of God, is wrong. They're being persecuted for that. Let me share a verse of scripture with you. I'm building a sermon around because I really have to, because to me, this epitomizes our culture today, the Christian culture today. It's Isaiah chapter five and verse 20. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That is for our culture. That is a warning to our culture. Not thousands of years ago. Sure, it meant something to them. My friends, it means a lot more, I believe, for us today. 
Woe to those who who call good evil and evil good. And you stand there and they say, accept this. And you say, I don't think that's right. And they keep telling you on the sitcoms and they tell you on the news and they call you names and they persecute you and they attack you and they call you all kinds of racist or whatever else they call you. You know, whatever words they want to use, scream nastiness at you. And after a while, you just kind of shrink back. Well, gee, I don't want to be called names anymore. I guess it's okay. Or you know what? I won't just say anything. I don't agree with you, but I'm just not going to. I'll just let. I'm just not going to say anything. What on earth is that? Come on. We're back. It said the Bible says to be bold. The Bible says to stand for truth. And we shrink back like somehow, oh, what, what can they do to me? What does the Bible says? Oh, man, what can you do to me? What can they do to me? Call me names? <laughs> Boo-hoo. You call me names. You know what? Call me all you want as long as I'm standing for the word of God, as long as I'm standing for truth, as long as I'm standing for something. My goodness, as long as I'm standing for something, I'll just keep on standing for God if you don't mind. God is calling us back to holiness. He's calling us back to holiness. He's calling us to pray for sinners and not to follow them. If you ask God to make you aware of the temptation, if you ask God to make you aware of the evil, he will make you aware of it. He will allow you to overcome it. The Bible is very clear in first John chapter four and verse four. It says it says this. It says you, dear children, are not you, you dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I have someone in me who is greater than the one who's in the world. I'm not afraid. I'm not intimidated. I'm going to continue to speak out for what is true and what is right. And if I go to my grave, I go to my grave. But at least I go to my grave knowing who I am. I'm not confused about who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And whatever he says goes. And whatever they want to change. We need to pray for our enemies. We need to love our enemies. Hear me out. We need to love our enemies. We need to pray for those who persecute us. We need to care for those who are hurting. We need to have compassion on those who are lost. Compassion on their lives. But we are never told to join them or agree with what they choose to do and the sin they choose to engage in. Hey, you know what? I'm not pointing the finger at anybody else and saying, you sinners out there in the world and we're all so perfect in here. How many, how many, how many people here are perfect? Raise your hand. How many people have not sinned this past week? Raise your hand. How many people really struggle and never, never struggle with really anything in your life? Any, no, raise your hand if you never struggle with anything in your life. So it's not, it's not a matter of picking on anyone else. It's just a matter of reality. We know what truth is and we need to stand on the truth of what God calls us to be and God calls us to do. He has called us to be sanctified. That means to be set apart. He has called us to be set apart. He says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, not a people belonging to this world. We are aliens and strangers of this world. We don't go along with what they do. We're in it, but we're not of it. My friends, we can change this world. I, you know, sometimes I think I shouldn't use language like that. It's so bold. It's so outrageous. I am going to go down swinging. We can change this world, but we cannot change this world by becoming like this world. I will not compromise the integrity of the word of God to gather more people around here and tickle your ears with what you want to hear. I won't do it. I won't do it. I want this church to grow. 
I want our church to grow based upon God's word. We can be creative. We can be innovative. We are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, unleashing purpose. We can do all those things without compromising the word of God. I won't do it. I won't do it. And you shouldn't do it either. Because we can change the world, not through gimmicks and games, but through prayer and being the people that God has called us to be. We can see things happen through our love. We can see the lives of people transform because we're praying for them. No one is beyond hope. No one is beyond hope. God is in the restoring business. God is in the restoration business. He can do it. He can do it. We need to have faith. Don't be discouraged by what you see going around the world. Don't be discouraged by what you see going on in our country. Instead of being discouraged and wasting your time worrying, spend that time in prayer and believe that God can do amazing things. I want to stop this morning and I want to pray. I want to pray again. I want to take some time and pray. I want to pray for each. I want to pray. I want you to pray for other people around you. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for your hamster's cramp. And I want you to pray for the cancer that may be in someone's, you know, in your life that you know. You pray. Don't be afraid to pray for the little things and the big things. Pray for forgiveness. God spoke to my heart this week and told me to say this out loud. I don't know who it's specifically for, but you need to forgive yourself. God's already forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself because he wants to use you. Come down off the cross. You don't belong there. Someone already died on the cross for you. You're not the Savior. You, do, you need to come down off the cross. Christ died for that sin and for the sins that you've committed. Forgive yourself. He's already forgiven you. He wants to use you. And for others, let go of the rope, okay? You need to forgive. You fight that. You still don't like it. You wish I'd never bring that whole rope thing up again, don't you? Because you don't like you've been bugging you for weeks. I'm going to say it again. You let go of that rope. Let go of the rope. Forgive. I want I want to pray. Those are the things I want us to be praying about. Pray that God would allow us to forgive those around us. Pray that God would, 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 would set us free so that we can forgive ourselves. That God, if you, if you need to confess something, then confess it and allow God to forgive you. If we, if we pray, God will make all things new, my friends. In our own personal lives, in our church, in our community, in our nation, around the world, he'll make all things new. God will bring beauty out of all the ashes of our economic situation, of our of all the the terrorist situation, all our battles. God will make he will bring beauty out of all the ashes. This is not the end when things look the bleakest. This is just the beginning of what God can do in your personal life. You say, my life has been ruined by so many things. I've made so many mistakes. Other people have affected me. That what would happen in the past is really affecting my life. I can't seem to break free from it. Let me give you a promise. In Joel 2.25, it says this, that he will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. He will give you back what was stolen from you. But you need to pray. You need to believe. You need to hold on to him. Hold fast to him. And he will give you back. He will restore. He will restore. Listen to that word. He will restore to you what was stolen and eaten and taken away from you. But you need to believe that. The man's going to play a song. I want you to listen to the words very carefully. And as they're playing and after they're, play, pray, they're, they're playing, you can come forward. If you sit in any one of these chairs, we will pray for you. 
If you sit in a chair, it means you want someone to pray for you. Or maybe you're coming forward and you want, you want someone to pray for someone else. So you bring that here, you sit down, and we'll pray for you or that person. If you just want to pray for someone else, you can come up here, you can, you can kneel on the stairs, you can kneel in before your seat, you can sit down, you can hold hands with the person next to you, you can write things on the board that you want to let go of, whatever you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. We're going to close out this service just giving this time to Him. And please, someone said, you know, I, I, I want a few people in the first service that I wanted to come forward, but I just didn't want to be up there blubbering. Come up here and blubber, okay? We'll blubber with you, okay? We're a family. We're a family. Let's cry together. Let's weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice.